You know, in our worship service today, we want to focus on a very miraculous and outlandish reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. It's an amazing story of a man, we are told, who is demon-possessed and comes into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ for restoration and healing. Not unlike the way any of us, through our contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, have experienced restoration and healing also. Listen in as I read from Luke chapter 8, and not only be mesmerized by this story, but consider that this story is an overlay on your life and the miraculous way that the Lord Jesus Christ comes to you for healing, for service also. From Luke chapter 8. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Well, that's our reading for today, and I just want to start out with this statement. We are all possessed by something. The man in the story that we just read, he was possessed, we are told, by demons. We don't understand exactly how that actually happened. We don't know really or fully appreciate what that must have felt like or looked like, either for him or for his kinsmen, or for the Lord Jesus Christ who ultimately healed him. But what we do know is this, every single one of us is possessed by 
something. And that, by the way, doesn't always have to be a bad thing. If I would ask you what possesses you, you might say, I am possessed by the love for my family, my wife, my children, my spouse. You might say, I'm possessed by the care that I have to pour into my career, my job that is a service-oriented job for people and and is helpful. Um, So possession by something is not necessarily a bad thing. I, I myself, frankly, am possessed by my wife and kids. But if I'm really honest, I'm also possessed by my golf clubs. I love golf. And it's a true statement for me to say that I am obsessed with the game of golf in probably unhealthy ways. We're all possessed by something. And it's not all bad unless it is. And that's where I want to pick up the story today by the, uh, that we were just hearing about the man in the Gerasenes, this region that uh, Jesus was traveling through alongside a lake. He was possessed by something wicked. He was possessed by something that was alien to God, that was destructive, not just for his body, but also for his soul. And that possession needed healing. That's for sure. But if you were listening closely, you also heard about another kind of wicked possession. It didn't really come out until the very end of the story when all of the townspeople that had seen the healing Jesus do for this man who himself was possessed by a legion, a number of demons, when they said to Jesus, you know what, we are possessed by such a fear about you and your ministry that we'd frankly prefer if you would if you would take your leave. Just go somewhere else. I'd like to opine. I'd, I'd like to stipulate for a moment that the possession we see in the kinsmen, the townspeople, at the end of the story, in some ways was as wicked a possession as the demonic possession we saw at the beginning of the story. Both forms of possession were antagonistic to the work of God. The work of God in this man as his beloved creation, a human creation that should not be possessed by demons. And the work of God in ministry among these townspeople who are called upon to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and follow him. And and not only did they not want to follow him, they wanted to eject him from the field of play. You see, we're all possessed by something. And and not all possession is bad, unless it is. And that is when we have to get serious about what controls us. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, came into the Gerasenes. He came into this whole world, frankly, in order to displace the possession that antagonistically has possessed us and turned us against the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ came into this world with that ministry in view, and he was going to get about it in any number of ways. He certainly was muscularly, victoriously about it as the Christ, the victor, when he casts out demons, when he heals leprosy, when he raises the dead as the son of the widow at Nain. In Mark's gospel, Jesus does work as the victor over all of these possessive forces because that's what he's here to do. That's what he came to do. 
But his greatest act of victory would take place on a cross when possessed himself by the full weight of our sin, the full onslaught of the demonic horde of hell. Uh, That's pretty exaggerated and, and cataclysmic, I get it. But as he is on the cross, he bears in his soul the full possession of all evil and wickedness, antagonistic to God. And in his death, he destroys once and for all its authority, its power, its ability to hold sway over us without hindrance or limit. Jesus Christ did that for us because, you see, we're all possessed. And if we're honest, while we may be possessed by things that are good or even neutral, there are things about us that possess us. Sins of thought, word, deed, uh, habits, inclinations, attitudes that we know are antagonistic to the kingdom of God. And for that, Jesus Christ comes in a body to be possessed in body and soul for the sins of the whole world, to trade his standing and freedom from bondage for our bondage. He was possessed, in other words, Jesus was possessed so that we don't have to be. It's an amazing truth. Listen to uh, just some quick snippets, uh, a few quick hits from other parts of Scripture about what the nature of Christ's lordship is in this regard. I think you'll be amazed uh, by these. From Acts chapter 17, verse 28, In him we live and move and have our being. Paul talking to the Athenian Supreme Court, the Areopagus, and he says to them that we find the best kind of possession when we are consumed and live and move and have our being in the grace of God, the life that God intends for us. Listen from Ephesians chapter 1. And God placed all things under the feet of Jesus Christ, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God will not sit idly by as his blessed, beloved human creation is possessed by anything but him. His work of ministry through the church is to possess all people in the best, most dignified possible way so that all people live under his lordship, his blessed, good, loving lordship. Always a benefit for us as his human creation. And then finally, Colossians chapter 1, listen into this. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Some of the deepest parts of our Christian theology the doctrine that we hold to, the worldview we espouse as followers of Jesus Christ is that Christ comes to take back possession of us from all the things, good, bad, neutral, that we give ourselves over to in allegiance and loyalty. He does that by his power and might. He does that by his sacrifice and mercy. But ultimately, he does that. And that, my friends 
is what we need to focus on in this season of the church, this season of Pentecost. If the church is going to make a go of it in mission, we have to take seriously what it is that is possessing us to live and move and have our being. There's politics, there's the economy, there's culture, there's media, there's Hollywood, there's environment. So many things vie for our attention. They, they, they vie to possess us, to consume us, maybe. But there is only one who's worthy to possess us as his own, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you, for me. Which brings me back to one last thing. It's the first commandment. That you shall have no other gods to possess you before me. Let's make it our endeavor this week to, to take an audit, to evaluate where it is that those possession points need to be reconsidered. Um, maybe it's your family that needs to come underneath the authority and lordship of God so that as you're serving them, you're doing so because you're first serving him. Maybe it's your checkbook. Maybe it's your retirement. Maybe it's your friendship circle. Maybe it's your social media. Whatever it is, let's make sure that the lordship of God is preeminent in our life so that with all that we've heard today, we can truly live, move, and have our being in him. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. In other words, possess you in Jesus Christ. Amen.